So I have to say, this is a little weird. I'm basically talking to a room with two people in it. My wife's over there and Johan's over there. So, hey, why not? We, but I know all of you are right across that little screen. So I love you. Thank you for being a part of the River Life family today. And thank you for, for joining us on this, this virtual service. Um, and thanks for all of your patience and grace. Uh, it's run pretty smoothly so far. Oh, I just jinxed it. Everybody knows you should never say that. Nope, that's all right. God's got us here. So we are in the middle of our series, um, Having Kids, Raising Kids. And today's topic, we're talking about technology. Um, and so, so I want to ask you, what is your relationship with technology like? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Uh, is it more like the overly attached girlfriend meme? Can you picture that one? That's what would be showing up on the overhead above me if I had an overhead right now, <laughs> but I don't. So, so what is it? What is it with your your relationship with technology? How is it? Um, here, you know what? We're gonna pause a little bit, hon. Can I switch tables with you? I want to get one a little higher. I feel like I'm having to look down really low. We didn't quite think about that. Johan's going to pull that one. Because I, I like making eye contact with you, and, and the table that I was using was really low. Um, this allows me to be able to make a little bit more eye contact with you and not have to look all the way down to my notes, all the way up. Because otherwise I'm going to have to see the chiropractor very shortly. Hey, there we go. That That's working much nicely. See, I can glance down at my notes. I can look at you and be awesome. But I still got my water here. So, what is your relationship with technology like? See, I know this is a series about parenting, but we have to start there. We have to start by looking at our own relationships with technology. Um, because first off, um, we pretty much all of us use tech in one form or another. If you're on here watching this, then you are probably a bit more uh, tech um, tech have, uh, heavy than your average person. Um, but here, here's the first thing. Here's the first thing why we have to have a healthy relationship with technology, and it's this. Because your kids will never have a healthier relationship with technology than you do. Okay, let me say that again. Your children, your kids, will never be able to have a healthier relationship with technology than you do. You need to have a healthy relationship because, you see, you can only teach what you have. So if you have a, a, an unhealthy, a codependent, or a dependent relationship with technology, that's actually what you're going to be teaching your kids. You're going to teach them your unhealthy relationship. You can only teach what you have. And so that's why it's really important. So we, before we jump into things like content filters and screen times and no phones at dinner and all of that, we have to talk about our own personal relationship with technology. Because again, your kids will never have a healthier relationship with technology than you do. So, so everything we talk about today, remember that. Um, so. There's no doubt, there's no doubt that technology has made parts of our lives better. Um, some of you earn your living because of technology. I did. I was a web developer for 10 years. My paycheck was based on growing technology. Uh, for some of you, oh, okay, I hit the cameras. Yeah we, yeah, we don't want the bottle sitting right up here, so we'll put the water bottle down, down here there. Thank you, hon. 
So some of you, some of you, your children are alive and healthy because of technology. Um, so technology has helped us a lot, but we also know kind of deep inside us that technology has a dark side. So below, so what I've got here are just a few of the, the research, a few of the, the statements that have come out of some recent Barna research in 2017 about technology. First, technology is the number one reason parents believe raising kids today is more complicated than in the past. Again, technology is the number one reason parents believe raising kids today is more complicated in the past. Second, technology has made life easier but not more joyful. Technology has made life easier but it has not made life more joyable. Uh, Barner Research also found that technology has made us more distracted and more distractible. We all know we waste a lot of time online and the research showed that near universally. And then lastly, the, the higher the rates of internet use, the higher the rates of reported loneliness. Um, so these are all things that research has shown very, pretty consistently, not just in this Barna research, but over and over again, these things come out. And my guess is that none of these stats really surprise you because you've probably lived one or more of these stats. They've been a part of your life the life of people that you love and care about, family and friends, and maybe even part of your kids' lives. And so today, today I want to help us think about technology well. Think about it well for ourselves, first and foremost, and, and think about it for our kids from that. But how do we do this? How do we have a better relationship with technology? Well, that's where scripture comes in. Uh, and so today I want to talk about a passage out of the Sermon on the Mount. But you see, here's the thing. This passage has nothing to do, doesn't talk anything directly about technology. It actually talks about money. And so, so we're going to have a little mini lesson about money. But see, here's the thing. The principles that Jesus talked about with regard to money are equally relevant when it comes to talking about uh, technology. The transferable principles here are incredible. And that's what I'm gonna to get to uh, later in the sermon. Okay, so, um, oh, and fundamentally, because the reason these transferable principles work is because what Jesus is talking about is money. But really, really what he's talking about is our heart, our trust, our allegiance. And all of these things are impacted by tech. So, so we're going to do the little mini lesson about money, and then we're going to shift, and, and we'll talk about some of those transferable principles uh, into technology. So if you've got a Bible on your phone, if you're not using your phone, or grab someone else's phone, um, or your tablet, pull it up on your computer, or your, your print Bible, pull up. It's Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 19. Okay? So that's Matthew 6, verse 19. Go ahead and flip to that, click to that. Um, if you can find that, because unfortunately we don't have a screen we can put it up on, and if I just sit here and hold my tablet up to you, that, then I can't read my notes, so that doesn't work at all, okay? 
So if you if you don't have a Bible around you, that's okay. I'll read and I'll read slowly so we can kind of sit with God's word and you can hear it um, for for uh, all of you uh, audible uh, listeners. So then again, this is Matthew six nineteen. Here we go. We'll start with the first paragraph. Do not store up for yourselves treasures or wealth on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is Jesus talking. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the big picture ideas of the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus was defining and redefining what it looked like to be in the kingdom of God, which he ushered in and when he came and which he will um, finish he will culminate when he returns. Okay? So think of this as defining and redefining what it looks like to be in the family of God. So he starts with this idea. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So Jesus implicitly asks us, where are you storing up treasure? Where are you storing up your wealth? How are you spending your money? Are you spending it on heavenly things? things that will last, things that are important to God? Or are you spending them on temporary things, earthly things, things that only get eaten up by moths and, um, and rats and planned obsolescence and all of that? So what, what are the things? Are, they, are, you, are you pursuing things that are important to you or important to the world or important to God? But see, the larger question here that Jesus is really asking, where is your allegiance? You see, he immediately sets up the connection that there is competition for your heart. Every one of us faces competition for our heart. And what Jesus is saying here is wherever your money goes, that's what's going to win. That's what's going to win. So where does your money go? Okay? Now, he continues with what sounds like a really strange illustration. Okay? It doesn't seem to fo focus on money at all. And he begins by saying in the next verse, the eye is the lamp of the body. Okay, now we, we got to explain this because that just sounds weird. So it's a metaphor and it's based off the perceptions of, of physiology and anatomy back then. You see, we understand the eye as one that takes in light, decodes images, and sends it to our brain. But that's not how they saw light back there in the first century. Back then, they actually saw eyes as channels for light to come out. So what does that look like? Well, think about Thor in the last Avengers movie when he went all God of Thunder mode and his eyes started glowing. Uh, think Captain Marvel, if you've seen that this weekend, um, when, when she all went, quant, not quantum drive, and yeah, I forget what she absorbed, but when, yeah, and her eyes started glowing. That's what they saw eyes as, that light actually came out of eyes. And, and see, that's very different than how we see it. But to them, this makes sense. So you can kind of think of this as the eye is the flashlight that shines out of the body. 
Now, let's continue and see this, how this applies. So the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, now it makes a little more sense if we remember the metaphor. See, if your body is full of light, it comes out your eyes. That means your eyes, they use the word healthy. But if, if your body, if your heart is full of darkness, then darkness comes out your eyes. And then you look like some creepy character out of the grunge, out of, out of the, some Korean horror movie, okay? But if darkness is in your heart, then darkness is coming out your eyes. And then it's described as your eyes are being unhealthy or bad or evil. Incidentally, you know the phrase, give someone the evil eye? That actually comes out of this passage. That unhealthy darkness emanating eye. So what does this have to do with money? Well, here's it's actually in the Greek terms, healthy and unhealthy. We think about healthy as like body weight and cholesterol and blood pressure, but these words healthy and, and unhealthy actually have they have metaphorical meanings when they're used in a, a moral context, kind of like this. Um, and so it actually means it indicates um, stinginess or generosity. So when these words are used metaphorically, they're talking about if your heart is full of generosity, light comes out and your eyes are said to be generous eyes. But if your heart is filled with stinginess, then darkness comes out of your eyes and your eyes are said to be unhealthy. So this statement again brings us back to our heart. It forces us to do a heart check to say, is your heart stingy or generous? Is it good or is, is it filled with good or filled with evil? So then he continues and he really hits home here at this one in the last paragraph. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So implicitly, we all know this. Have you ever tried to do two things at once? Okay, well, ladies, you're probably much better at multitasking than us guys are. Uh, we do great with one task. You start throwing two or three tasks at us and not so great. But, but it's true, I, I don't think any of us can do two things really well. You end up just doing two mediocre things. And that's how your heart works. Okay? But it's even more serious because this is all about allegiance. You cannot have two things having top allegiance of your heart. We don't work like that. Okay? Something will always be second. And few things can pull your allegiance away from God like money can. You cannot serve both God and money. So, that's the passage. So hopefully, maybe you got a little heart check from God today about how you spend money. Um, but there's even more to this. You see, for most of the history of the church, things like 
money, sex, and power were some of the strongest influences over people to pull their hearts away from God. That's why the Bible talks so much about money, sex, and power. Well, there's a new player in town, a new force with unprecedented influence and near universal, tech, universal acceptance, and that's technology, in particular screens. Now, screens are a part of our life and screens can do wonderful things. We have five screens in, or four screens in this room alone helping us do this. But screens can also do a lot more. There's a dark side to screens. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I am not anti-tech. I love technology. I am all for it. Um, I'm not saying we should all ban our phones, go back to like the old Nokia phones, and we should all become Amish. Okay? That is not what I'm saying. But... I believe we all underestimate the influence that technology has over our hearts. We all underestimate that uh, over our hearts and the hearts of our kids. So I'm definitely not saying we should be Amish, but for our health and for our family's health, we could all probably benefit from being a little bit more Amish. So that's kind of what we're talking about. What could it look like to have a healthier relationship with technology? So I want to take some of these passages that we've talked about here, particularly three of the key statements that Jesus made, and apply some of that wisdom onto technology. Now, I acknowledge I'm taking some liberties here. I don't think Jesus ever intended to be talking about technology in this passage. But he talked about our hearts. He talked about our allegiances. And that has to do with technology. So I'm going to pull some transferable principles and kind of adapt with all, all respect to Jesus. I'm, I'm going to adapt a few of the things that he said to apply to today's world and the tech that we love, we use, and we're surrounded by. So I want to focus on Jesus' three main statements, each one in one paragraph. So out of that Matthew 6 paragraph, here they are. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The second one is the eye is the lamp of the body. The third one is no one can serve two masters. Now, each one of these has a technology-related equivalent that speaks to some of the, the issues that we face in the age we live in. Okay. So first, instead of where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your technology is, there your heart will be also. Where your technology is, there your heart will be also. I believe few things in the modern world have as much influence us over us as our screens. I've never met someone who spends five to six hours every single day focused on money, sex, or power. But that's how much time we spend in front of our screens. And it's virtually everybody. So it's, we are fools to think this isn't affecting us. And see, it's not just the content we consume. Yes, that matters. 
the content we consume, but it's also how we depend on our phones. It's the affirmation that we desire out of social media. It's the feeling of connectedness with other people when we really aren't connected with us, with them. It's, it's our dependence on our phones to keep us from, from being bored, to keep us from any idle, quiet time in our life. See, our screens pull our hearts. And they can at times, depending how we use them and depending what our relationship with them is, they can pull us away from God, away from people, and even away from ourselves. So I have to ask, how is your screen pulling you away from God and other people? How about your kids? How are their screens pulling them away from family, from friends, and from other people, and from God? Again, and I'm not saying we ditch all of our screens, okay? I'm not saying we, all, we go 100% Amish. We could just stand to be a little bit more Amish, okay? So second, <clears throat> uh, second, Jesus talked about the eye is the lamp of the body. Well, I think for us, our screen is the lamp of our body. Now, remember the metaphor. The eye is the lamp of the body. It's the light that's in you that comes out of your eyes. And I think the same thing happens with our screens. Is that the, if your eyes show, oh, I just lost one, there we go. If your eyes show what's inside you and inside your heart, I think our screens show what's inside us. It's what we watch, what we laugh at, what we post on social media that shows what's inside us. So yes, we have to ask the question, what media do we consume? Because that's what media we take in. Because that affects us. But it also reflects us. The media we consume on our screens affect our brains, even down to the biochemical level. They affect our hearts, they affect our spirituality, they affect our relationships. And that's the media we consume. But also, the media that we consume reflects what's inside us. And that's why sometimes we, we sit and, and I, I'll hear people talk about the media they consume. And it really concerns me. Okay, so I'm just going to call it out. And again, please, I'm not a chicken little. The sky is falling. I hate technology. And I hate television and movies. That is so not me. But... Season 8 of Game of Thrones is coming out really shortly. It's coming up. And to be honest, I cringe every time I hear a Christ follower say how much they love that show. Because think about it. How much sex, violence, and anger is inside you that you watch and enjoy that much sex, violence, and anger? It's not just all that content and we take it in, but what's going on inside us that we love that content, okay? Also, or if you, if you love reality shows that glorify pride, prettiness, uh, um, pettiness, and drama, 
What does that say about what's inside you? Your heart, somewhere in your heart, it's glorifying pride, pettiness, and drama. Somewhere inside you, you love that. And that's, that's, that's a darkened heart. So your screen shows what's inside you. Okay. Lastly, the last one, you heard Jesus say that no one can serve two masters. Um, similarly, you, you can't, so Jesus talked that you can't love God and love money. Well, for here with technology, I believe this. You cannot love both people and technology, at least at the same time. It just doesn't work. Yes, now, don't get me wrong, like, we can do amazing things through our screen. Right now, we're having church through our screens. And you can affirm people. And people online do, do incredible uh, stuff. Someone reads a story on Reddit, and they send $200 to somebody in need. And, and it goes viral, and everyone loves it. But I think those are more the exception than the norm. See, there's one thing that our screens, if we talk about our personal individual lives, there's one thing that our screens are universally stealing from us, and that is our presence. We're so, we are so desperate to be distracted and entertained. We are, with our phones in hand, we are rarely able to be fully present with others, with our families, and with even ourselves. And see, see, some parents, so some parents have tried to make efforts to how can we be more present with each other? Let's set the phones aside over dinner. Let's let's leave the phones when we go on vacation. Let's be present because our phones, when we're holding them and we're engaged, our phones are robbing the world of our presence. See, so an interesting thing happened this week. So Penfold and I on our data plan, Verizon data plan, we capped out our data. And so rather than getting charged for more data, we're on this plan where it just slows down our phone. So this week, my phone has basically been operating on dial-up speeds. It's terrible. Like, and it just showed how impatient I was. So I learned a few things. One is I'm really impatient. Like if a web page does not load immediately, I'm like, oh, forget it. I'm done. I go to the next one. Also, what I found, like I stand in line and I'm going to be, it, it's three or four people in front of me. I pull out my phone because that's what I do. I pull out my phone and I start scrolling. But my, again, my phone is running on dial-up speeds. Nothing is loading. And so I just, ah, oh, forget it. I put my phone in my pocket. So I've, this week, I've actually spent more time sitting in line just being there and not on my phone. And I could watch people, I could watch other people on their phones as, as, kind of ghosts of themselves, not engaged with anybody or even the world around them. So it was a fascinating experiment, and I think this was kind of one of God's gifts to me to challenge my relationship with my phone. Because our phones, when we have them, we need to understand they are stealing our presence from those around us. You see, all the promises of technology that will to make the world smaller, to make people more connected, to bring people closer, it's all been a lie. 
That is not true. And the research universally supports that. Okay, yeah, there are all these anecdotal stories and sweet things and viral videos, but the norm, the research is, near, is unanimous. Our screens have made us more isolated. They've made us more insecure and they've made us more lonely. So our screens are not helping us love and serve other people. We're not doing that better thanks to our screens. We're actually doing it worse. And that's a sobering thought. To think that our screens could actually be robbing us of the second greatest commandment that God gave us is to love other people. And if it's happening to us, you know it's happening with our kids. So remember, where your technology is, there your heart will be also. Your screen is the lamp of the body. It shows what's inside you. And then you cannot love people and technology, at least at the same time. So I want to close here by talking specifically to the parents. Okay, so if you've got kiddos, if you've got kiddos coming up or you're trying to have some kiddos, uh, then here's, here's something I want to talk specifically to all of you. Um, so, so first, I want to tell you about a great book. It's called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. It's really small, really easy, very manageable. Um, and I want to say, this is the best thing I've read in the last two weeks about parents, families, kids, and technology. You see, I did a lot of research for this one because I, I was, I was kind of insecure coming into this message, mostly because I had no idea what I was going to say. So I read a lot. And everything online, if you just Google, like, parents, kids, technology, pretty much most of what you'll read, almost all of what you'll read, falls into one of two categories. First, it's really out of date. You read things like, parents, make sure you to monitor your kids' MySpace accounts. Thanks. I mean, like, done, back, let's try something else. It's just really, even something, even something just a couple years old, you read and it feels antiquated. And second, these posts, the, the posts, the articles, even sermons, focus on really practical advice. Now, there are some good ones, which, and I'll, we'll link up on Facebook the, for these later. There's uh, Desiring God has a great uh, post. The Focus on the Family has a good post. Uh, and these usually contain really helpful, practical, wise advice. So it's things like delay smartphones as long as possible. Delay social media with your kids as long as possible. Stair-step technology over the years. Or at home, take control of the Wi-Fi. Those are all, those are all great pieces of advice. But this book this book was unlike anything that I had written. It focused on family relationships. It focused on our humanity. It focused on the proper place of technology in a person's life and in a family life. Um, as he says, th that his focus is about living as full, flourishing human beings. And so I wanted to share this. I wanted to encourage. This is a great, a great buy here. Um, so I want to close by giving you what he calls his 10 tech wise commitments. 
Um, oh, and by the way, and this is this is a book. I actually got this to do as a, a giveaway in service. So what we're going to do is we're going to take all the people who have commented on this live stream. We're going to take all of them and do a little drawing later today, random drawing. And so this is going to go out to someone who's been who's joined us here and been listening and commented on. OK, so we'll let you know a little drawing here later today. So I want to close with what he calls his 10 tech wise commitments to give a little inspiration of what could it look like to think about relationship, think about technology in terms of relationship and presence. Here we go. Number one, we choose character. We develop wisdom and courage together as a family. Two, we shape space. We want to create more, oh, we want to create more than we consume. So we fill the center of our homes with things that reward skill and active engagement. Three, we structure time. We are designed for a rhythm of work and rest. So one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. We turn off our devices and worship, feast, play, and rest together. Number four, we wake up before our devices do, and we go to bed before, or, and they go to bed before we do. Number five, we aim for, quote unquote, no screens before double digits at school and at home. Six, we use screens for a purpose and we use them together rather than using them aimlessly and alone. Seven, car time is conversation time. Number eight, spouses have one another's passwords and parents have total access to their children's devices. Number nine, we learn to sing together rather than just rather than letting recorded and amplified music take over our lives and our worship. And number 10, we show up in person for the big events of life. We learn how to be human by being fully present at our moments of greatest vulnerability. So River Life family, set your hearts on God first. Love people fully second. And learn how to put technology in its proper place in your life, in your family's life, and in your kid's life. Well, thank you everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, hopefully this has been inspiring. Hopefully you, you have learned something new. Uh, you felt, hopefully you felt connected to the River Life family today, even though we're, we're scattered all across the Twin Cities and even all across the world. Hi, Chong, if you're still online. Uh, so we love you. Uh, I'm going to close in some prayer here. I'm, I'm going to pray for all of you and myself to have healthier relationships with technology. So please join me in prayer. God, we, th we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come together. God, we thank you for the technology to do that. God, but we also, we pray for your help. 
God, we pray for your, your wisdom and your mercy as we learn to have a better, healthier relationship with our technology. Lord, help us to be fully present with you, with our families, with the people you've called us to love, and with ourselves in the quiet moments of life. Lord, let us understand how much you love us and who we are in you. God, so, so help us. And especially I want to pray for the, the parents out there. God, the ones who are tired, the ones who are stressed. God, the ones who, who turn to technology for just a few minutes of rest. God, I pray that you meet them in powerful ways, even today. Lord, that you prove to them, Lord, that you provide rest. Your burden is light, and you exchange that for our heavy burdens. Lord, so I pray that you can, you can be at peace, uh, or that you give peace to all of those parents. Give them supernatural rest and restoration, so that they too can make the courageous, scary decisions to have healthy relationships with their technology and their kids' technology. So we thank you, God. We praise you. We thank you that because of Jesus, we can be saved. We can be forgiven of our sins. We can be redeemed. And I thank you that you love us not for anything that we do, but for exactly for who we are, your creation. So thank you and I pray this in your name, amen.